1: Everybody, it's your boy Prez. We're here today for a very special episode of Draft Strickland, your favorite, your favorite draft-related Knicks-related Pod Strickland spin-off podcast, the only podcast that meets all of those criteria. I'm here with Coach Mike G, performance coach, uh, training players from all backgrounds, including probably some of your favorite NBA guys. You can find him on Instagram at Mr. Do It Moving. I really, really can't stress enough that if you care about my tweets about armchair biomechanics observations, please follow this man and check out his videos because he's a professional and he makes some of uh he demystifies some of the complicated things that uh we we often talk about and we'll get into shortly on this podcast. Um
0: coach, how's it going? yeah appreciate the intro super happy to be here finally on a podcast that isn't training related per se like i understand your platform is a bit different so i'm really excited to explore those avenues with you so yeah man happy to be here i'm
1: gonna actually start off right there so like (laughs) you mentioned the other training podcast like I mean, there's podcasts for everything, obviously, but I'm assuming there's just a community of Mm -hmm. trainers who have podcasts and the other ones you have jumped on, are they basketball specific or just like trainers who work with all types of athletes? Like, how's that world?
0: Most, if not all of the podcasts that I've been a part of are all performance slash training slash health and wellness based podcasts. So nothing really specific to basketball. However, maybe two of the podcasts that I've done, it was basketball-specific performance trainers that are doing basically what I'm doing, and they had me join them to have a conversation about whatever we talked about. So yeah, mainly within the space of training, performance, health, and wellness. So this is exciting to be here.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, to give you an example of of how much interest there is in this stuff, um, one of my Twitter buddies who has come on our Knicks podcast several times, um, uh, he he goes by his Twitter name, which is PD Web. I, I don't know his government name, but he's cool people's, and he actually just started. um He's very plugged into like NBA Twitter and and different team websites and stuff like that, just for fun. And he does scouting and all of that on uh, on his own professionally. And he just started like a mini-series podcast with uh, this doctor from California, I forget his name, who works with basketball players and other athletes. And it's literally like what we're doing here. Like the whole series is just like, let's talk about one, each of their... Each of their episodes is like, let's talk about John Moran and like landing mechanics mm. and and, why, and like very specific stuff like that. Love that. And, exactly. So it's definitely kind of the interest is there. And now people are realizing like, oh, like there's actually people I can talk to instead of just talking to Prez and we're just two blind people <laughs> meeting each other in a circle or whatever. So uh, I'm really excited uh, that you're
0: sharing this stuff. Oh, hell yeah. And that's really cool. I need to definitely tap in with your your, your boy. That's that's doing that with the doctor. That's cool. I, I like that concept. Yeah,
1: I'll definitely uh, put you in touch. But um, so I guess before we get into all these specific nerdy questions I have and about just how this whole world works, it's like how, how did how did you get into this? Like, I, I'm just curious about that. Like on a personal level.
0: Absolutely. So. I wasn't a I wasn't a pro athlete myself. Uh, I had dreams and aspirations of of trying to make it into that realm. I played football at the Division two level and I played receiver. But for those who cannot see me, which is everyone, because this is not on video, I'm five foot eight. I weighed 170 pounds at my heaviest, soaking wet, and I ran a 4'6". Oh, and not to mention I'm Asian. So those measurables and my physical appearance did not necessarily pass the eye test, nor was I talented enough to make it into that level of play. So naturally I trained hard. I loved the weight room. I fell in love with teaching. I fell in love with with, with working with my teammates and leading my teammates. And it was a very easy transition for me to go from playing in college into coaching athletes. And I figured if I couldn't play at the highest level, I might as well try and help people get to the highest level. So that was basically the inspiration of becoming a coach, a performance coach. And then as far as getting into the NBA and working with all these amazing athletes, it's just really about being at the right place at the right time. I truly believe that you need to be blessed with an opportunity. And then if you're prepared for that opportunity, good things can happen. And that's what happened with me is I was in the the gym when Drew Holiday walked in as a second year NBA player I assisted with his program for 1 year and then the following summer is when he asked me to be his personal guy. So again, who would have thought that I would be in the same gym as Drew Holiday when he came in? That's totally uncontrolled fate, right? But I was ready and I was I was determined to be ready when that opportunity came. <clears throat> it came And Drew and I hit it off right away. And then he just basically opened the doors to everything that I am now, bringing me to New Orleans, flying me uh, full time. I I would go from NBA city to NBA city, which was an amazing opportunity. I was introduced to Anthony Davis and the rest is kind of history. From that point on, through the blessings of social media, people start to see what you're doing, people, which is what happened with you and I. You You found me on social. And it's just an amazing platform to showcase your personality as well as your talent. And that's kind of what happened. So now I'm working with over 10 NBA athletes, and it's been quite a ride, a hell of a ride, to say the least.
1: That's amazing. Uh, for for people listening, um, I didn't know any of that. I just... <laughs> <laughs> literally saw his Instagram videos and I just messaged him like, Hey, here's an idea for a podcast. And I think people would like it. And he was super excited to join. So I, I knew you worked with drew just from seeing him pop up on, on the IG, but I didn't know he like his role in, in your story. And I mean, you want to talk about phenomenal athletes and you want to talk about dudes who look like football players. Absolutely. <laughs> that guy is a tank and a physical Marvel. So, um,
0: just for everyone who don't know, six three and a half playing weight is two twenty. So football player is correct. This dude is crazy big. Pause. See, I
1: thought <laughs> I thought he was taller. Cause he plays taller than six three and bigger than six three. It's just mm. that's just his play style. Like you can't move him and he's gonna go right through you. So it mm. just goes to show. Um but yeah, so I guess my next question is like for people who are just fans of a team, you know, in the last maybe I would say maybe like five or six years with the ad, like you kind of hinted at with the advent of social media, Twitter and all that sort of craziness. Like we've seen trainers become more public, both skilled trainers. Well, I should say mostly skilled trainers, not so much physical trainers. And if I had to guess, I would say because it's a lot more marketable in some ways to show someone working on footwork for crossovers or for, you know, for, for wild layup packages or whatever, compared to like, all right, now we're going to practice landing off of box jumps or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Correct. um But like, I feel like the interest is still there. So at like, did, did your community of physical, trainers and professionals kind of see what was blowing up with all the skill trainers and be like is it are we next are are we trying to get in on that what was how was that like
0: I don't think so I don't think that it was a collective Mm -hmm. opinion from our our space our being performance people people in the weight room traditionally Mm -hmm. that said hey look this is a tool that we can use to show our stuff I don't think that that was the case at all I think that when you look at the reason why basketball technical trainers or coaches are so much more popular than we are we as in the performance field i think it's the culture of basketball basketball players play yeah this is this is a sport that isn't necessarily built on training outside of the court or off of the court like a football or like a um, track and field you know what i mean it, the culture yeah. of basketball is is you play. So these trainers are coming up with very clever ways to showcase coaching styles and techniques. They get a pretty marketable athlete doing their stuff and then boom, they blow up. Um, This is a great way to advertise who you are and sell a product, but also it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because you got a lot of bad things being posted out there. Mm -hmm. Not saying that I'm, the government police of Instagram and being able to do quality control. But, you know, you can kind of see what's bad and what what the goal is behind exactly what these guys are doing or gals are doing. Um, But I I think it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful tool that if you do it tastefully and if you do it with class and you do it from a good place and a good heart, good things can happen. And that's kind of what's happened with our brand, my personal brand, our uh, GBG hoops brand. We're just trying to educate and, Giving things out for free, quality information, and, and, and also inspiring debate. Like, I'm okay with you disagreeing with what I'm posting, but you better be ready to talk about it because <laughs> I'm going to ask you, well, well, what do you mean? Why is that? So don't come at me with some BS and not, not be ready to talk about it because at the end of the day, I'm not correct all the time and I'm not the best way to do things, but this is my perspective. And if you rock with it, that's amazing. And if you don't, that's cool, too, but just helped me get better as well.
1: Yeah, that's a great attitude to take, and, and that's a great point. Um, In terms of getting into, like, how you work with these athletes, um, well, I guess before I get into that, for you personally right now, is it mostly pro athletes, or is it a mix of also, like, youth and amateur and all that?
0: It's mainly pro. However... Right that doesn't go to go to say that I only work with pro that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. very unfortunate that people believe that about me because I want everyone to understand and know that I I, I am here to serve. We are here to serve. We love people. We love seeing people get better. It's just that the main population that I work with now and that inquire for service is Mm -hmm. pro pro basketball players but don't get me wrong if you hit me up and things made sense I will work with you cuz you deserve to get better just as much as Drew Holiday deserves to get better
1: so that's actually a good a good transition so one thing I talked with coach about when we first were just brainstorming about this about him getting on the pod was like obviously NBA trainers you would hope that NBA teams have access to you know The best of the best in terms of their medical staffs and all of that. And as you go down the youth level from like to college and to high school and even younger AAU, like obviously resources aren't as equally distributed. And, you know, in the last 15 years, we've seen more and more guys come into the NBA like, oh, they already, you know, in high school tore their ACL once or had meniscus surgery or something like that. And, You know, with AAU teams playing, you know, triple headers multiple times a week during the off season and stuff like that, like that there's a, there's a gap that needs to be filled. I feel like with Mm. training with people who have your expertise, but it's, it's a harder problem it seems like to me a harder problem to solve because whereas an nba player can say hey like i need to work on this mm-hmm. i want my own guy in addition to my team's guy let <laughs> true. Me hit up let me hit up coach you know so true. what is what is some northern virginia where i where i'm at where i'm near like yep. i know some northern virginia Hey, what are they supposed to do like so like how do we i guess get that knowledge
0: from sure. people
1: like you to places like kids teams and parents. Absolutely.
0: That's and that's a layered answer because there's so much mm-hmm. variability that goes into the reasons of why these injuries are happening at such an early age. I think that it's a loaded situation. When you look at let's just let's just break it down. This is going to be a longer answer. So <laughs> everybody get ready. Let's just break it down to lifestyle and behavior for, 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 for starters. And this is, this is the, the component of why we're getting hurt so prevalently at such an early age. Lifestyle and behavior. So we have a culture right now that is based off of convenience and providing things with speed time, right? Everyone wants things done quickly, 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 like whatever, for whatever reason. So fast food is convenient and cheap. But what I always tell athletes is your tissues, which is what your body is made of, your muscle, your, your ligaments, tendons, your organs, your skin, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's made up of what you eat. The quality of those things are based off of your diet. So if you're continuously putting in things that aren't of the best available grade to replenish your tissues with, the ground substance, then how can you expect your muscles, ligaments, and tendons to perform at a high level? That's a simple A plus B equals C situation to see, right? Like, that makes sense. Number two, sleep. I think our kids are sleeping less because of screens, the accessibility to your cell phone, the accessibility to playing video games. You know, gaming is huge now, right? Like bigger than ever, billion dollar industry. Kids aren't sleeping because they're up at night looking at their phones on social media or playing video games.
1: Adults aren't sleeping. So I know because of that. So (laughs) so I know kids aren't sleeping because of that.
0: And it's like, how do you govern that as a parent? I mean, you could be very disciplined and strict and say, well, no screens past nine nine p.m. But who's really enforcing that? You know, I don't know anyone like, that's really you enforcing don't be that. A bad guy. You know what I'm saying? So now kids aren't sleeping. So now you got two of the main determinants of determinants, I don't even know if that's a word, the main things that determine. Recovery and performance, nutrition and sleep, that are bad in today's youth. Not to mention, let's look at the good things that are happening in today. Training is at an all-time high. Kids are actually going into the weight room more and doing more explosive type exercises and moves. And athletes are more athletic. Basketball players are more athletic than they ever been before. When I'm 20, I'm 37. When I was in high school, just a regular one-hand dunk was like, oh, my gosh, he just dunked. Now you have kids in-game doing b- underneath underneath the legs. Wild stuff. Windmill, <laughs> like it, dunk contest winning dunks in-game. So now you take those two, three things. You got poor sleep. You got poor um, nutrition. And then you have more athleticism. And you put them together, that it means kids are going to get hurt, period because they're not combining the right ingredients of health to allow their athleticism to be realized by their brain and body. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's just a bad recipe. Bad recipe. So to circle back to your original question of like, okay, well, how do we get information to our kids? Well, it starts with the parents. So that's a whole nother can of worms parenting and mm-hmm. early specialization the best way to expose kids to to movement and sport nutrition who's in charge of giving their kids food they're the parents right like you guys are the ones buying the groceries and or making those decisions but along with the bad of social media there is the good and there's a lot of quality information out there that's for free that if you take the time or ask the correct people you can find free information online that's coming from credible sources and and action that and practice that so i think that parents need to be accountable for their children figure out ways and strategies to implement quality athlete control for their kids by providing environments for good training by providing quality nutrition or having the education to understand what quality is and really trying to invest time into that aspect of things because it's so easy to just give money and pay and pay and pay well educate yourself find people or ask people that have or know credible sources of information and, and delve into it because it starts with the parents in my opinion now Resources are limited. I understand some people can't just simply afford it, but information on the internet is for free. So as long as you have education, you can at least tip the scale in the good direction versus the bad.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, my brother coaches AAU out in Virginia, Northern Virginia, and he he talks about a lot of the same stuff, especially with like rest and screens. Or he's not the parent, but you know, parents talk to the coach, so he, he, they all like each other, they get along great, so he tries to remind them about that kind of stuff where he can so, there's, you know, there's hope I don't think it's hopeless, uh, especially with all the information out there, like you said Um, but yeah just because uh, like, on this particular podcast we talk a lot about the NBA draft and like guys coming into the league um, Knicks prospects, but not just Knicks prospects, and like not only what they're good at and will need to improve at in terms of skills on the court, but like physically, and and that's why uh, I always seek out people like you because uh, you know, like you just look at the young Knicks for example, just to pick out a few, like the behind the scenes of someone like Mitchell Robinson, who came into the league, you know, didn't trained on his own in New Orleans where he's from or or Louisiana where he's from after uh, deciding college wasn't for him. This is a guy who's like. Seven feet tall, runs like a deer, like a guard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and explosive movements. But he's still a big man, so you always got to be a little careful. Mm-hmm. He had some injuries, and now he's come back from them successfully. But he's a big boy now. He was like at two forty before. Now he's like two seventy five. So mm-hmm. in our in our heads, in our like, and on Nick's Twitter, we're like, man, what is? How, what do what does a player like him do to? ensure that his movement is sound and he, you know, we went through the whole Christoph Przingis experiment and that's what happens when you have very tough to solve physical questions. So like, absolutely, we're always just wondering about that stuff and like, you know, whether it's a, mm-hmm. a teenager coming in or an older player trying to extend their career or whatever. So like, I guess my question is, You know, you work with different clients ranging from young Drew to now veteran Drew. Like, how do you go about assessing like where they're at? Because at the NBA level, these guys are all so unique as terms of athletes. It's not like a normal physical therapy practice where Prez is coming in because he rolled his ankle ten times and never works out, and correct (laughs) or whatever. It's a different set of problems from the normal population.
0: Yeah, no, because. You know, we love the puzzle of creating individualized approaches towards the athlete based off of position, playing style, role on the team, and training age. Training age basically means how many years, months, days, weeks, whatever it is, have you been training in the weight room? Because a lot of these guys that we get early, the 19-year-olds, the one-and-dones, pretty soon the the Mm straight-to-high-school-to-the-league guys, right, because that rule is probably going to change, they probably haven't spent too much quality time in the weight room. so Yeah, Mitchell Robinson said before
1: this (laughs) last injury he didn't really work out. You know, until he came to the Knicks. And even then, he said he didn't take it seriously until like very recently.
0: (laughs) And unfortunately, what happens with these types of incidences or these these examples is it takes a bad thing to happen before you start to believe in training off the court. Why do we need to wait until something bad happens before you start to invest? So the education process has to start in high school. So that means we have to educate our high school coaches and our and our AAU coaches. Unfortunately, a lot of those guys are old heads and they don't believe in that type of stuff. So they're not really putting forth those messages. Not saying that, that it's everybody, but you know, if it's 50%, that's too much. Right. The NBA is full of genetic freaks. And I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Vitruvian Man by Michelangelo says that your height should match your wingspan therefore i'm 5'8 my wingspan is in fact five foot eight <laughs> the average two guard in the nba is six foot six guess what their wingspan is on average is it like six
1: nine or something
0: it's like six eleven. <laughs> oh my gosh so we're talking about genetic freaks here like people that are just not normal so that being said You have to prepare your body, your physical presence in order to compete for 82 games and hopefully more in the postseason if you want to play at this level. And if I see an athlete coming in at 19, 20, 21, and they're seeing me because they chose to see me, that is a blessing of all blessings because they have either really good um, camp around them, they have great people around them, or they just understand. They're just thoughtful young people that are like, hey, I understand that this is this is a whole nother game. So I better prepare myself for this game. Right. So. As I said before, playing style, let's talk about Drew. Drew Holiday is very physical. So guess what I'm going to do in the offseason? I'm going to train him. I'm going to I'm going to build armor for him because he uses his body like a football player. He plays defense with no fear. He takes shoulders into his chest. He cuts people off with the intent to stop people and physically impose his demand, right? I need to prepare his physical body for that. Um, Let's say I were to train a guy like Kemba Walker. Freaking zero to 100 in less than a second. Stops on a dime. Slasher. Very, very sudden. I better prepare his body to be able to express those types of physical properties at a night in, night out basis. Right? So their training program is going to be completely different. So I think when we look at how we want to work with people and how we want to design their programs and prepare them for the season and whatnot, you have to look at how they play. What's being asked for them from a night in and night out basis. And then build a program based off of that.
1: That's what fascinates me about this whole this whole topic. Like, I I've mentioned it, I don't even know if I've mentioned it on this pod before, so I know I've tweeted about it. But so let me just say for people listening, like I've been in and out of physical therapy for a couple of years now. Um, first for my back, just because I slept with shitty posture, like many people, and I studied too much, and I was hunched over a desk for many years. And then eventually, my pickup career with minimal weight room caught up to me, and my uh, foot and ankle got all jacked up. And like, I went to several podiatrists. I don't want to say they sucked, but I don't think they were that great at looking at things from the perspective of somebody who wants to do athletic stuff. I'm not saying I'm an athlete, but I'm just trying to hoop. And
0: you are an athlete, don't play yourself.
1: All right. Y- 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 y'all heard it. I'm just going to take that soundbite and quote it on Twitter whenever anybody uh, tries to disrespect me. So um, so I got surgery uh, basically to repair some ligaments that weren't torn, but they weren't completely where they were supposed to be. And I'm coming back from that now. So I say all that to say like, I've been down this rabbit hole of like physical therapy, Instagram, and several different physical therapists, some good, some bad. And it's just so clear that even in that world, there's like, kind of like you were alluding to with like older coaches and some younger coaches where there's there's like different schools of thought that are changing. And it's just, if you think of someone like me, where it's like, all right, we're trying to get prez's ankle mobility foot mobility foot intrinsic strength from below average after surgery to normal enough to play pickup without pain and like graze the rim again Mm. (laughs) (laughs) which is you know i would be going through my rehab exercises and think like like you said like you don't have to wait until there's a problem like somebody who's a player can have normal ankle flexibility and decide I want to be more explosive. So I'm going to work on ankle flexibility with coach Mike. And this is going to help my first step. Cause that's the type of stuff people we always wonder about on, on Twitter. It's like, oh, this prospect, like he doesn't look, he looks kind of stiff going up for layups or moving laterally, or his first step isn't great for a guard you know, stuff like that. So the question of, all right, what do they do about it and how much capacity is there to even improve on these things? And I'm like, I don't know. These are all like a million questions that we have that nobody knows the answer to. I'm like, right. Well, well, Pete, you guys
0: know, we don't right,
1: know. Right, 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 right.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think one of the important things that we should focus on that you just said was when I go to my podiatrist or my PT, they're giving me a prescription of exercise and treatment. But my goal is to be able to express certain amounts of force into the floor so that I can live my life. And and, and a part of my life is playing basketball at a high level because I love the game of basketball. However, some of these podiatrists slash PTs, which we need and love, are trained and educated on getting people back to normal function and not athletic function. There's a difference. Right. To work, to go take your kids to school. Exactly. So if the missing link is seeking or having a reference system that allows me access to professionals that specialize in more force amplitudes, right? Basically sports, then that's that's where we need to be looking and seeking because Dr. Such and Such, who graduated from this amazing institution but works predominantly with car accident victims, right. isn't going to have the answer for you. He's going he or she is going to get you back into normal function and living your life and doing your ADLs, which is active daily living, but not necessarily back to playing pickup at a high level and, and and ruling your friends on the court. So don't be fooled by just because of the word doctor, right? Doctor is amazing. And, and I don't take nothing from that, but what type of people are you working with and what are their results? I think that when you look at the, the, Example of looking at a group of pers- uh, prospects that are coming up and, you know, we're we're trying to figure out and geek out on who, who would be best for our draft and this, that, and the third. Stiffness is for a reason. When you see an athlete move stiff, quote, unquote, or uncoordinated, quote, unquote, or just awkward, it just doesn't look right. Like, kind of like when you are on the dance floor and you feel awkward, you know you're probably not moving to the beat the way you want to. So you take a step back, reset, and get back in there, right? It's a natural feel thing, and you can see it as well. And that's not for no reason. There's a reason why. It could be It could be lack of mobility in, in major joints like hip or ankle. It could be lack of coordination. So fluidity is heavily based on being able to be efficient and smooth. But not everyone has that, and, but it's very teachable. You know, a lot of times when athletes come in for the first time, a question that I ask is, can you dance? And they laugh. Uh, no, I'm serious. I'm going <laughs> to put a song on right now and I want to see you dance a little bit. And the reason why I ask that is because the natural dancers, the, the people that can dance really well, are freaking phenomenal athletes because they're coordinated. And dance is just another form of coordination to a rhythm of some sort or a beat. Sport, fluid sport is the same thing. And I find that most of my dancers are quality, quality athletes in coordination. So we can teach that and we can teach rhythm and timing and we can teach people how to express force effectively. And these are the types of things that we're after, but it's hard. To understand what you're looking for when you don't know what what it is that's wrong. You see what I'm saying? If you don't know what it, i I know something's wrong, but I don't know what's wrong. Therefore, I don't know what to do to fix it. Right. And that's where we need to find resources and education. And then it starts again with the high school coaches, because those are the guys and gals that are most heavily in front of these young athletes.
1: That's, that's a great way of putting it. Um the dancing stuff is really funny uh i i mean you look at any professional dancer whether it's like a a, a tour dancer or a ballet dancer and they're all like jacked and move amazingly so like it's you know it, it's not a surprise at all and 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 i think it's one of those common sense things that if you like you said you you ask anyone that like a a new player or a prospect and they'll laugh and be like haha but like no, you want to move well, right? So let's get you exactly. like you get these dancers. Like this, that's a very common sense way to put it. So I'm definitely gonna steal
0: that. Absolutely. Uh, well, real quick though, look at Dancing with the Stars. Who usually wins Dancing with the Stars? Look at my son Iman Shumpert. Look at Knicks. him. He's killing it. He got a perfect score the first time ever. Look at his wife. You want to talk <laughs> about athlete? Oh my gosh, she's phenomenal. My wife, exactly. Loves her. Yeah,
1: man, Deonna she's. Taylor. Jeez. Shout out Tiana Taylor. Shout out Iman Shumpert. Uh, Iman Shumpert, I hope he gets back into the league. But if not, that guy could do anything. Any, anything dancer, he wants to exactly. I, I will never <laughs> slander my guy, Iman. Um, but yeah, so like, I, it, it's... I, I always wonder with guys, uh, to get back to the point of like, identifying what's wrong and then improving it, so like, I'll give you another concrete example with the Knicks. So uh, we picked Obi Toppin the, in the draft recently. And mm-hmm. he is an incredible athlete with mad hops. And when he's running in straight lines, he's like a gazelle. But mm-hmm. people were worried, even though he was an amazing scorer and, and a force in the paint and all of that in college, because like, as great as he is, like move exploding upwards and bounding forward. Like when he is moving backwards on defense or laterally on defense in college, he is so stiff. Like his, mm-hmm. his legs are really long mm-hmm. and it, it's clear. I, I We would joke on Twitter. We'd be like, get this guy into some hot yoga classes. That's all I ask for the off season. Like, yeah. and we joke, but like, he looks noticeably better in his second year. He's not, he doesn't look like a ballet dancer yet, but mm-hmm. when you're as strong as he is, like even a marginal improvement in terms of like hip mobility and lateral mm-hmm. quickness that's that could be the difference between you being like bad on defense and okay on defense.
0: 100% like, 100%. 100%, 100%. Yeah. and it's like it's like what was Obi Toppin required to do in college? what are the skills that made him very successful in college, right? Like physical dominance is one of them and that's downhill. I can jump higher than you. I'm going to dunk the ball on you. Well, we're in the NBA now. That's not going to be enough. So now there's a whole entire skill set that he needs to understand and learn and get better at in order for him to, be successful in the league at the level that I'm sure that he wants to be, right? right. One of the best fours in the, in the in the game or fives or however they play him. My point being is that when you're in an environment that's requiring you to do the same thing over and over again, because you're really freaking good at it. Why do you need to change? You're only forced, you're only forced to adapt when something is blocking you from doing something you want to do. So you have to adapt. Now he's in the NBA. Things are a little different. There are guys that are just as athletic as him. Therefore, there's a block. Now you need to learn other skills. And now does your brain and your body allow you to do that in a successful and quick way? So whatever he did in the offseason was clearly directed towards those new skills, okay? Obi, you're, you're going to be asked to do this. You're going to be asked to do that. So that means we have to learn how to do these th- things and your body has to learn to do those things as well.
1: That makes total sense. And uh, it, it it's one reason why I like your Instagram is because you get to peek behind the scenes of of what these athletes are working on. So, so one question I have for you is like, for an off-season, because I'm sure off-season and in-season is way different, obviously. One is more like maintenance and one is more... Building, I would imagine, but correct. You're in right, off season, like, how do you, de- how do you decide how much to take on? Because there's so many things if you could work on to improve, but you only have so much time, right? Especially when mm-hmm. these people are trying to spend time with their families since they're staying put mm-hmm. in the off season, and they also gotta like do right. Yeah. Like, there's all types of stuff on their plate.
0: Absolutely, and the beauty behind quality, good training is that you're going to get results if you have a quality sound program you're going to get good results right it doesn't have to be this super complicated high scientific you know resolve Mm -hmm. and another thing is is you you we mentioned we talked about it earlier these guys don't have a really high training age so exposure to the weight room consistently is something that they've kind of haven't experienced so when they see me and i get a quality six to eight weeks with them of four to five days a week of movement training and lifting and stuff it's it's just such a adaptable place to work from that good training is going to change them if that makes sense the smallest dose is going to change them because they're 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 Tissue is so adaptable that it it just grabs on and soaks up all of the goodness of it. That makes sense. Yeah. But when you look at a specific athlete that comes to you and you have this conversation of, all right, what is it that we need to get better at on the court? And they say, I need to be better on defense. Then you start to unpeel that onion of, okay, so why is it that you can't open your hips? Why is it that you can't? get low why is it that you can't recover or why is it that you can't contest you know bother jump shots and that starts to give you the puzzle well it's because their external hip rotation is really tight and they can barely open their stance up it's because their ankle mobility is really tight and that means they can't squat that low and they hinge at their hips and they have a lot of low back tightness Oh, it's because that their power output is really low and they can't really explode laterally. So now those questions start to lend themselves to answers, which start to lend themselves to strategy in the weight room. Well, if you have poor external hip rotation, then I'm going to have this stretch. If you have poor lateral power output, I'm going to have this exercise. So being able to see this type of progression based off of a conversation, is where I start what do you need what do you have what have you done in the past let's test you let's get some objective data and let's go to work
1: that's so cool and the the second step of like all right we know the problem is like farther than most people get and then the third <laughs> step of like here's the you know you talked about trainers and professionals discussing ideas and trying to help each other learn like all right now what's the best exercises to Mm. address you know external hip rotation or Mm -hmm. ankle mobility or whatever like that's that's where you get into the really fun stuff and and that's why i enjoy going on your instagram because you give like a sentence or two usually of like here's what we're doing this is what it is And, and like when you combine that with the video you don't need to have like Remember your like college biology class, <laughs> exactly, class, exactly. Be, to realize, oh, like this might look a little funny at first, but I could see how this translates to making sure Drew don't fall over when he mm-hmm. comes down from trying to block Anthony Davis or whatever. <laughs>
0: right? You know they go yeah. at it too. They love each oh, other, yeah. but they go at go at each other's head.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. Um. All right, we've been going for like 43 minutes. Obviously listeners know I could talk about this forever but <laughs> my guy coach has things to do and players to attend to um so I want to just thank you for uh for joining me this has been a whole lot of fun hmm. I've been you, if you ask anybody who knows me I've been itching to do a podcast about this topic for so long Let's so get it I'm happy to finally scratch that itch um, Hell yeah people uh like I said at the top of the episode, you could follow him on Instagram at Mr. Do it Moving. Uh, please go check him out. Uh you'll see some Nick adversaries on there, but it's all good. we uh, <laughs> want the whole NBA to be in, in good health and good There's
0: stars. some Nicks there's gonna be some Nicks on there too. So you know, we you got to hear. I got two Nick's now. <laughs> Exclusive.
1: There's Nicks who are putting in work. That's yep, what I like to hear. For sure. All right, Coach, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on.
0: Hey, man, my pleasure. Let's do it again.